Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Brian and Michael Voltaggio are launching a Whiskey Wagyu Wednesday special at Voltaggio Brothers Steakhouse at MGM National Harbor in Oxon Hill, Maryland, in a special partnership with Catoctin Creek Whiskey in Virginia. I spoke to the Voltaggio Brothers about their journey in the restaurant industry before competing against each other on TV's Top Chef as well as what it was like growing up in Frederick, Maryland, where we even shared a beloved high school football coach. Thanks so much for joining us, both of you. Oh, it's great to be here, man. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. We're happy to be here. All right. Now, before we get back up here to talk our stomping grounds of Frederick, uh, let's hit the, the main uh, WTOP uh, listening area, which is D.C. Uh, tell us uh, what new we have at, um, at the Voltaggio Brothers Steakhouse at MGM National Harbor. That's the big location down there. Um, I, I heard you guys just launched a Whiskey and Wagyu Wednesday special. Um, we just recently partnered with uh, Catoctin Creek. They um, We went out there and we hand-selected a barrel, and both Michael and I, we obviously love working working with ingredients and people within our region. They're, you know, an incredible artist and producer of some amazing whiskey. Um, so what we did there is we hand-selected um, a barrel now that's going to be bottled exclusively for us. Um, and as people know, I mean, you know, whiskey is, um, you know, individually aged in barrels. And so this is the cool thing is you get to go out and sort of like, you know, taste through and select your own. And so we landed on, on one particular one that's going to be, it's barrel number 34. And, uh, and that's going to be part of a whiskey Wagyu Wednesdays. And so what we're doing is we're pairing um, cocktails and, and also even, um, you know, just the, the spirit straight with a beautiful cut of Wagyu beef that's um, out of Pennsylvania. So uh, it is a promotion we're running on Wednesdays, um, but it's also going to lead up to where Michael and I, we plan to do, we're going to do a dinner together um, as we get closer to launching the barrel on property. So that's TBD on dates, but it's going to be coming out and announced soon. We're going to be doing a menu where we're going to be there that night um, exclusively with our guests. Awesome. So you got the the steak coming from Pennsylvania. You got the whiskey coming from Virginia, and it's going to come together at, at and cooked by a couple of Maryland guys. You know? Exactly. <laughs> we're hitting the whole DMV, or I guess the DMVP. <laughs> exactly. Um, awesome. Uh, and remind listeners where Catoctin Creek is. It's it's like it's like Percival, I think. Yeah, it's Percival, Virginia. Right. Um, so it's, you know, right in our backyard, um, you know, not far, you know, from not only Frederick, where we all are from, but um, but also the steakhouse in particular. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, all right. And then remind us, uh, I guess, in terms of the Frederick locations, uh, WTOP, it's 103.5 in D.C., but we're 103.9 yeah, in Frederick. Yeah, yeah 103.9 up here. Bit. You know, recently, um, you know, we, we rebranded uh, Volt to Thatcher and Rye, um, you know, and it was... You know, during the pandemic, I know we talked, you know, before that. We literally um, talked in March of 2020, I know. right? As yes. this was happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then, you know, as far as projects, you know, coming, coming along too, you know, both Michael and I, we have a brand new project we're working on together right now, which is going to be in uh, Chicago. So it takes us a little bit outside the listing area, but it's, it's our, our newest um, and latest and greatest. We're going to be uh, launching that in the first quarter of, um, of next year. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I believe when we spoke last, it was like right before everything really shut down. I know you were like hopeful and there was like, we were, I guess we were, we were still talking like carry out menus and all that stuff. It was, it's crazy how much has changed in the last two years, but yeah. Um, just remind us. Uh, so, so vault was the big thing. It's now Thatcher and Rye that's on market street and then family yes. meal on East street changed to born and raised. And then is it now showroom? Is that what it's called now? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I consult on a menu there. Um, you know, I'm not, uh, a, you know, partner and I'm still certainly affiliated. Um, but you know, we're just, we're, you know, consulting on a menu and that's went through some new ownership and new changes and, uh, and yeah, but it's, you know, still great real restaurant on East street. So you, I think the so biggest thing that happened, you know, that came out of those two years was just having the time to sort of push the reset button and take a look at everything that we were doing, you know, use the word globally, I guess, because, right. you know, Brian and I saw this as an opportunity where we're all going to be held accountable for that time. And we just, we got to spend a lot of physical time together to, to sort of, hammer down and like figure out what projects make sense, what projects might not necessarily be working for us currently and, and, and how, when we were asked, what did you do with those couple years? Um, we, we can sort of say that, you know, we, did, we didn't take time off. We took time to reset and, and focus on things that we were passionate about, including family. And I think that that's something that everyone sort of had a chance to s take a step back and do. Um, and, and now Brian and I are sort of, full stride moving forward um you there's this need to sort of not reinvent yourself every year but reintroduce yourself to to your to your sort of customer base and so right. brian and i you know we we never we never just take a step back and and rest on on what we've accomplished we look to figure out what we, we can accomplish more next and and i think now more importantly than ever uh together yeah. Absolutely. And it was a big time for family and, and, and you guys I don't envy you at all. And being restaurant business, making tough decisions. It's probably the last two years has probably been the most crazy time for that industry. Yeah, no, it has been, but you know, the beauty about what we're, how we're doing this now, I mean, Michael and I working together and not only we brothers, we're also business partners and we're able yeah. to, you know, accomplish more and be, you know, more present in the restaurants that we do have, you know, nice. whereas, you know, there's a time where I think we both felt a little bit stretched, a little too thin. And, you know, even though we have a new couple of new projects on board, it's just the right amount, you know, right amount of presence, right amount of us being involved um, in, in these day to day. And, and that's something we certainly learned, you know, over the pandemic because oh, yeah. things slowed down a little bit. Right. And, and yeah. so you start thinking about, you know, what it really means to be in, in these restaurants, be there for your guests. And, and now we can be more active in, in the experience. Yeah. How, how have the guests, uh, you mentioned trying to reintroduce yourself and, you know, carry over the same customer base and stuff like that. How have they adapted and come along with you? Was there any initial confusion with the name changes or can we use our same gift cards or what, you know what I mean? Like there's probably oh, like the transi <laughs> transition. Yeah. In, in thinking back, you know, and just looking at just, let's just look at Bolt and Thatcher or I, and that, that, you know, conceptual change was, because we realized that during the pandemic, you know, people at the time weren't looking for a lengthy, like three hour dining experience anymore with multi-course menus. And, right. you know, let's talk about the current climate right now and also high check average, right? So 
you know, even though we always want to try to command the best, you know, value, you know, in it, um, you know, we, we feel like that that's, that's what we're doing now. You know, we're, we're creating a more of an everyday experience across the board. Um, and even their new projects we're working on right now, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're creating fun, you know, experiential spaces that are, that are, that are you know, inviting and cool menus and like, you know, great places you want to go and see, be seen, but also, you know, feel like you can go on a, on a, on a any day of the week, you know, and that, like that's, it, it gives us more access to our guests, you know. I think um, for the first time in our industry, and this is the most important part probably is that, is that we're taking direction from our guests now. And yeah. so the template that was, was sort of, dictating how everyone does business was coming from the guides or coming from the reviews or coming from, you know, people that are going to come eat there once. And I think now as an industry, we're starting to see entirely a lot of places are shifting gears and focusing on the guests. And I think that that's, that's the, that's what's making this time the most exciting time I think in food and beverage and hospitality is, is the guests are really in control right now. And that's the part that I'm excited about because they're the ones that you can see multiple times in the restaurants. And those are the ones that, that we want to focus on um, as opposed to, I mean, obviously media is super important in the support of that and everything, but in some cases people were, were in their restaurants following trends that were being outlined through various different outlets, as opposed to just asking their guests, you know, what do you, what do you want and expect from this experience? And, and how can we, how can we match that and, and exceed that? And I think that that's, it's becoming a lot more guest driven. And, 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 and I think that that's the most exciting part about what we're going through right now. Yeah. You're listening to the people now. That's it's the whole, the whole thing is shifted, but that's really cool. Uh, all right. Well, let's hit a little, I would love to, you know, we have both brothers on, it's a real treat in, you know, here in, in, in the grew up in, in Frederick, Maryland, where I grew up, uh, I guess, but you guys are in the seventies. So let's hit, let's hit the hometown hero angle here. <laughs> what, 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 when you guys were growing up, was food always like a big deal, you know, around the house, the two of you and, you know, I'm sure you run into sports practice and stuff. What was like dinner, always a sacred time. Yeah. I mean, dinner was always like our mother made it a priority to like the ritual of having dinner was always very important. And so um, that was the time to gather around the table, have, you know, sometimes a casserole or you know, mom food, you know, just really good mom food. But for me, the memory was more about about the ritual. And then as everyone, I mean, Brian and I, you know, came from a very much a working class family. And so everyone was busy. Everyone was at work. Everyone had a lot of things to do. And so I think where food or, or us creating food became important. Um, and, and, and this is where it all started for us. Brian and I first started working together at the Holiday Inn in Frederick by the right. Francis Scott Key Mall. I, yeah, I was actually a busboy and um, Brian was in the kitchen. And then I remember it was a Saturday, Brian and the other sous chef said to me, hey, come to work dressed like a chef tomorrow <laughs> and you can, you can work in the kitchen. And so I showed up. But him and the other sous chef were off, and the only person that was there was the executive chef, who they had not informed that I would be working in the kitchen that day, <laughs> and they set me up for failure. But you know, no, it was a good introduction. It was a good introduction. It was a good hazing into the yeah. into the kitchen. Did you guys did you guys pick on each other? Because I have you ever heard of Liberty Road Seafood and Steak down on Twenty Six? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's what my brother and I, I have a twin. We worked over there and I, I was the waiter and he was the busboy. I'd say, eat your chicken tenders, busboy. We ragged on each other's, you know. Right. So did you guys rag on, oh, I'm in the kitchen versus oh, yeah. I'm a busboy? 
it, it, it hasn't stopped. I mean, now, I mean, you know, obviously we're, we're older and mature and all of that stuff, but yeah, no, back in the day, of course, now, now the little rib shots here and there. Yeah. <laughs> well, remind little- us, fill in the gap between, you know, the early holiday and FSK mall days to then go on. And like, I know at least Brian, when we spoke, you went to Culinary Institute of America and then went yeah, to sure. New York so- City, right? Yeah, there's a time where both Michael and I were in Frederick together, we're working, and um, at, at that time, it was two different locations. Michael was working at a prestigious country club. Um, I think I was still working at the Holiday Inn or of uh, some sort, and at that time, you know, I think we that's when we knew, like, at this point, we're going to turn this into a career. Um, Michael got accepted to a, a pretty amazing um, apprenticeship program down at the Greenbrier White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, so he went down there, um, and then I went to Culinary Institute of America in New York, so... That's where we kind of separated when it came to, you know, spent two or so years apart. But there's a time when I was on my internship that Michael moved up, you know, to New York and he worked at, uh, for Larry Forgione at, um, um, at Coach House and helped open that restaurant at the time. I was working at Oriole in New York. And, um, and, that, and after that, shortly after, when he finished up and I finished up, um, you know, we kind of went our separate ways and ended up on different coasts, you know, for a while cooking. Um, you know, and creating restaurants and working for some pretty amazing people. Michael worked for Jose Andres. I worked for Charlie Palmer for a long time. And then, you know, after that, uh, you know, we started working together. We started opening restaurants together. So, um, you know, there's been a lot has transpired as a culmination of like 50 some years of culinary experience between the two of us. I mean, we've been doing it for a while now. Um, so it's, it's been, been an amazing journey for sure. Awesome. And then, of course, the rest of the world got to know you. And then Michael yeah. kicked my ass on Top Chef. Yeah, <laughs> That's what I was about to get into. <laughs> Top Chef, uh, Brian. And, and he's your, is, your, is he younger bro, too? So you lost a younger bro in the finals. of. Uh, I, I sure did, yes. Season six. You know what? Came down to the two of us at the end. Um, so one Voltaggio at least got to take it home, right? Brian's being <laughs> humble, though. What he's not saying is that he has the most wins in the history of that show because he's done it three seasons and he has never been sent home so brian is the winning the winningest top chef contestant as far as i know in the history of that that entire franchise wow so yeah you so you get to hold that record and then michael gets to have the 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 championship win yeah yeah so michael what was it like uh you just bragged on your brother but what was it like for you to actually win yeah i mean it was cool because like i said we started at the holiday inn and frederick and like the fact that we you know that foundation was something that we built whatever this is off of you know at the end of the day it was like we weren't model students at thomas johnson high school we we were the ones that were sort of getting in trouble i mean i played football on the football team and that's when my gpa stayed where it needed to stay but outside of that you know the, gr- the grades weren't quite where they needed to be. And so for us, it was like we found a creative outlet that we could turn into a career. And I think that we we both took that work ethic and that that drive and desire and turned it into something, not just for us, but for the, for the city of Frederick. I mean, Brian has very much maintained a footprint in that city, and it's been very important to him to always have a footprint in that city down to the fact that he lives there. And I think that that's, um, you know, Brian living on a farm in Urbana, 20 minutes away from where we grew up and then us having the steakhouse with MGM it was kind of a homecoming full circle and for us to be able to have partners like MGM that wanted to continue that story on our behalf and as our partners um, was the hugest compliment I think that we could have ever gotten and in that part of it the fact that that the community I mean that steakhouse has been there for um, 
over what five years now, Brian? So we're going on seven years uh, or uh, six and a half years. Well, five now. plus, yeah, five plus, yeah. And so the fact that and and that restaurant stays busy, and the fact that we have that support in the DMV area for us is huge. I mean, I still live in California, but I'm very much back and forth, and and Brian is as well. And so the fact that we can sort of be these these punk kids, you know, from Frederick who were getting in trouble to to doing something a bit more positive, I think has, has been, you know, huge for us. And so, you know, now it's, it's about mentoring. We, we love to sort of take talent that's, that's in similar situations to what we were in uh, and sort of mentoring them through the same process. And maybe, maybe there's a lot more to come out of, of, out of that area. I mean, if you look at the restaurant scene in DC alone, it's one of the most exciting food cities in the entire country right now. And I think that that, you know, if somebody said that 15 years ago, Washington, D.C. is going to be, you know, a, a food hub and a, and a place, a destination dining city. I mean, people like Jose Andres and and a lot of the ones that have, that have been in that city doing it for years and years. It's just it's such an exciting time to be in the DMV, not to mention the wine that's growing in the region now. And the, obviously, we're like like Brian said, we have this barrel of whiskey. There's just there's so much happening in such a sort of 50 mile radius. That's so exciting. Oh yeah, that, that that's so cool. I I love what you were saying about that. Just these punk kids at TJ went on to do, <laughs> to do it. Real real quick, I I had no idea that Michael that you played you played a little ball at TJ. Uh, who was the who was the coach? Was it Ben Wright or was it before Ben Wright? Coach Wright was my coach. Oh my I was... god, I had him my senior year. He came over to Linganore with with Rick Connor. Uh, mm-hmm. Connor's first year at Linganore. But yeah, rest in peace, Coach Wright. Yeah, I was actually the place kicker on the team. Really, um, I. I was a wide receiver at Walkersville High School my freshman year. And then uh, I, I started kicking and found that that was, uh, you know, where what I should have been doing at the time. But also, I think it was not to say the least athletic, but like I definitely had a, <laughs> not as demanding of a practice schedule as everyone else because I was actually pretty good at it. Right. Um, but Coach Wright used to make me because my grades and stuff were not where they should be. Like, I remember coming in and for like gym period, he would just have me wear a weight vest and run up and down the stairs for the entire mm-hmm. class. And I was just like, man, this is this is tough. But like, like again, those life lessons and that work ethic that came out of it, like our team uh, yeah. every year that I played for TJ, uh, we, we went to the playoffs. Yeah. And just talk coach, right. I mean, rest in peace. What a, what a soul. I mean, he was such a good man. He died a couple years ago, but yeah. Yeah. He was incredible. And just, again, like the work ethic that he instilled upon, you know, the athletes, but not just the athletes, but the students in the school. I mean, everyone loved coach, right. Because he was, he was almost just a symbol of, of just pride within the school and work ethic and just, just hard work. I mean, he's just, he was very, he was demanding, but he was just cool. You know, he had this yeah. swagger about him that that everyone sort of gravitated towards. I loved him so much. Rick Connor brought him over. Rick Rick came over from Urbana, where you are, Brian. He he went yes. to Coach Crothers in Urbana. He went over and started mm-hmm. Linganore, and he was like, "I need to bring in these, you know, legends." So I'm going to bring Coach Wright over, and he like brought his little All Star squad. That first year was my yeah senior year. Funny small world. So wait, did you go watching Michael's games, Brian? <laughs> yeah, of course. No, but I mean, I was two years ahead of him though, too. So by the time right, you know, right. I was already, uh, I was already out in the working world at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What Brian used to do is show up to my lunchroom after he graduated in full snowboarding clothes <laughs> and be like, and be like, let's go. We're going snowboarding. He had already left school 
And then he would be like, come on, we're going snowboarding. I'm like, Brian, I got like three more classes left for the rest of the day. He's like, no, you don't. And I, I would just leave <laughs> and go snowboarding with him. We'd head up to Ski Liberty and that, that, would be, that would be our day. Yeah, so mom's in the listening area. So mom, sorry about that. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Mrs. Voltaggio, sorry. <laughs> well, we've sidetracked thoroughly here, but let's bring, bring it back around to the, I guess, final seconds. You've been really generous with your time, both you guys. I didn't even know we would go this long, but I appreciate it. But real quick, uh, bra- I want each of you to say, brag on the other one, like embarrass them with kindness, nothing bad, but nice. Like, you know, what, what does the other one do the best in the kitchen? You know, what do they each bring to the table? So I guess, Brian, you, you, you know. Yeah, I can, definitely, I can go first. Uh, so Michael is a creative genius um, <laughs> when it comes to putting together uh, flavor profiles and food and just like a visionary when it comes to creating a dish. Um, you know, I, I'm fortunate to work along somebody who has just um, an inspiring way of just thinking about food. And, and where it comes from and a complete student when it comes to it, whenever he's working on something, he immerses himself into almost like an unhealthy aspect of like, <laughs> we'll continue to work on something until it is done, until it's perfect, until he's happy about it. And that's where that work ethic comes in. All right. Now you're, that's the, that's the coach, right? Work ethic there. All right. So Michael now embarrass uh, with kindness, embarrass uh, <laughs> Brian. Of course. What he I does. mean, Brian, Brian is, is, is a, is a technically, proficient like almost he he cooks with this professorial approach i mean brian could teach uh cooking that's how good he is so whether it's brian has that brain where you you can read instructions and figure out how to do something instantly and brian doesn't even really read the instructions down to the fact that he's now becoming a pilot uh he i believe is one test away from becoming an actual pilot he's been flying planes and this is something that you know, Brian, when he puts his mind to something, he can do it. And I remember uh, the first time, I think he was 16 years old, he took me up in a plane with him and was like, I'm going to fly one day. And now he's doing it. And I think that, um, you know, that's a metaphor, I think, for, for Brian's entire life and his career. And I just think it's, it's such a huge accomplishment. Not what he's done just in culinary arts, but, but as a father and, 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 and just a, as a chef in general and as a human being. I mean, Brian is, Brian is a machine. And everyone that has worked and been around Brian in a professional or personal environment will know that he does not rest. Wow. I did not know you were becoming a pilot. I had no idea. He's like, he's like, oh, the winningest record in top show chef history. That's not enough. I now want to conquer the sky. <laughs> Sky's the limit for the Voltage winners. Hey, thank, thank you so much for doing this. This is a blast catching up. I wanted to tell our listeners what you've been up to. And so thank you so much. Appreciate thank it. With all Travis. love for the DMV guys. Love you guys. See you all guys. Right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the time. If you enjoyed that conversation, check out my previous chat with Brian Voltaggio from March 2020, right as the pandemic hit for a fascinating time capsule of a dire time in the restaurant industry. Just know that Volt is now called Thatcher and Rye, and the family meal is now called Showroom. Brian Voltaggio. Who uh, is competing Thursdays on Bravo on Top Chef All-Stars LA. Of course, uh... A local guy here in Frederick, Maryland. So we were just joking before we got on here that we are literally blocks from each other because I live in Frederick too, but calling. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're, taking the time we're to staying at home. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, no, life has definitely changed around, um, you know, everywhere. You know, obviously, uh, you know, our two restaurants, Volt and Family Meal in Frederick. Uh, Volt is temporary, temporarily closed currently right now, obviously due to COVID-19. And then uh, Family Meal, though, we have a to-go operation that we are 
um, continuing to operate. Um, so if you get a chance and you get out, since you're only over on Bent Street, come swing over east. You pick up some food. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, what did, 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 before we go into the show? Just just break down that decision. Why did you guys decide to close Volt but leave Family? Yeah, so Volt. What we did was we actually did a pop up wine shop for a few days, um, and just you know offered some of our inventory, some of our harder to get wines that people don't normally see in retail. Um, and, and we did that to to just try to generate some cash flow for for payroll and for for, for our team, but. Um, Volt is not, you know, a typical experience that you would have, you know, on the road or to go. That's more of a in in the restaurant experience, you know, for our diners. And so we just decided it would make more sense to do that and channel our efforts, you know, to our other restaurant, which is Family Meal, which is right in downtown Frederick as well. Um, and there we're doing a, a to-go operation for four to eight daily with even now cocktails to go, which is a new thing despite the, you know, and obviously, the concerns of what's going on around there, we, you know, at least the state allowed us to do some things to be a little bit more nimble and try to, you know, generate some income for our team. I mean, how much has it affected business so far? Do you find people still oh, ordering takeout? Or? Yeah, no. Um, I, I think the general consensus is across, you know, everyone who's trying to, to do this effort, you're seeing, a, you know, 20% of your typical revenue, um, which is exactly what we're seeing over at one of our restaurants at Family Meal. Um, you know, and unfortunately, it's just, you know, what we need to do to try to keep some people employed and, you know, obviously also, you know, for the community offer, um, you know, and people are cooped up and, you know, they want to have, you know, there, there's so many, so many recipes they could probably think of to cook out of their pantry. And so at least there's a change of pace. You know, we're trying to keep some normalcy in our lives, even though we're respecting, obviously, the dangers of, you know, or, of what's around us and respecting, obviously, the virus and making sure that everybody is, is staying safe. For sure. Crazy times. All right. Well, let's talk. The reason we're we're here on the call is Top Chef All Stars LA Thursdays on Bravo. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Remind our listeners before we get to you know this year's season. Remind us the first time you were on. I think it was back on season six of Top Chef, and uh, you yep. lost to your brother Michael in the back in two thousand nine. Memories of I know everybody likes to remind the- me of that. You know, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just like the, you know, yeah, just so, I'm trying to stoke the bri- brother rivalry a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so yeah, the first time I competed was in Las Vegas. Um, you know, yeah, I lost to, to Michael. It was more than ten years ago at this point. Um, it was just after I opened my first restaurant, Bolt. I uh, decided to go into the show. Um, after that, I also went back. I competed on Top Chef Masters. Um, you know, it was an opportunity, you know, opportunity to, to go back and compete again. I mean, that's what I really love about Top Chef is the competition. And in there, um, I also was a runner-up. So I've been in second place twice, you know, roughly. And so it was uh, it was time to go back for a third time and, and see if I can get a win this time. Yeah, maybe third time's a charm. You know, it's the always a bridesmaid, never a bride. You second place, second place, and now it's, so maybe this will be the first place. Tonight, you know, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, we'll um, remind us. Explain the premise of this season. You know, it's called Top Chef All Stars LA. Uh, you know, what what mm-hmm. what makes this season different? How they round up the contestants? Yeah, I mean, this season is everyone who has made it really far in a competition. You know, and it spans not every single season, but the majority of the of the last sixteen seasons. There's returning chefs, um, whether they were runner up in their season or made it to the finale. Some of them at least passed restaurant wars, you know, which is a which is a common challenge that you find in, in most seasons of Top Chef, and and that's kind of like the benchmark. You know, you get to pass restaurant wars, and you've, you've you've kind of gone through 
the majority of the competition. And, and so everyone on this season has made it, you know, at least to that point. And all very, very talented people. Um, there's actually three of us from season six in Las Vegas. There's Kevin Gillespie, Jen Carroll, and myself. Um, you know, which, you know, a lot of people reference that season because that was, um, you know, that was also a very, really tough competitive season. I mean, they've all been great and, and very, you know, competitive, but I mean, I think that season stood out a lot. And, um, and so having three contestants back from that one is going to be challenging. You know, Kevin's a great cook and also a good friend. Um, that's the other part too, is that a lot of the these chefs, I, I know majority of them, you know, we're all colleagues and friends now. And so, you know, much like the first season of Top Chef I ever did when I was competing against my sibling, um, you know, those friendships and everything are kind of set aside, you know, for the moment while we're, while we're competing during the challenges and yet, you know, high fives afterwards. So um, it's a very unique situation going back and competing, you know, with, with people, you know. And uh, aren't, aren't there some DC ties to some of the other ones too? Like Eric and Jennifer also have DC yep. ties. Eric right? uh, Adjupong, um, you know, also is on there. He also, he came through and he did a stage at Bolt at one point, you know, a while back. Um, so, you know, we, we knew each other before this. I actually went back, I went to Kentucky um, in his season. It was a part of a table that he served, um, you know, that he was a, he was a, you know, a, a, a chef testant during that time. He was one of the, one of the chefs competing and actually went back for a mentor challenge. So I know a lot of these chefs, you know, in various ways. Um, you know, uh, obviously Jen Carroll has ties to D.C. too as well. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a very well-rounded season. You know, there's chefs from all over the country, Brian Malarkey from San Diego. Um, you know, there's uh, Nini Nugent from New York. I mean, there's, there's chefs from all over um, in all, all seasons, really, of Top Chef. majority of them are all represented. Awesome. Now, um, remind us, uh, of, of, in case our listeners might have missed uh, last week. So last week was the season premiere, episode one. Um, yes. What, what sort of cha- – what was the quick fire challenge and the elimination challenge? Because you made it through. So the, yeah, I made it through or you wouldn't be talking to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the quick fire challenge was the classic mise en place challenge, which is um, – I think that's Tom's favorite challenge of, of all time where there's, there's three different um, – challenges that we had to do. One was turning artichokes, the other one was segmenting oranges, and the last one was cracking almonds. And so um, it was to divide everybody up in teams. Whoever got first, you know, done first in each one, moved on, and got to jump in uh, jump in a car and head, uh, head to the Top Chef kitchen to start the dishes. Um, so I, I made it through the artichokes. So I was a part of the first group to head back to the Top Chef kitchen. So it gave us a time advantage. You know, to cook our dishes, we had to present two dishes using all of the ingredients. Um, and we did uh, an, a roasted artichoke dish with a aerated um, yogurt and sumac. And then um, we also did a artichoke tortelloni with a with a brodo. Um, we ended up winning the quick fire. And that was my first quick fire win in Top Chef history, even though I was a part of the team. So I was pretty happy about that. Um, and then we went on to our elimination challenge which we did a uh, open pit barbecue cooking uh, a seafood um, spread and a cohesive menu amongst our teams. And there's three people or three chefs in each team. And we did that by the ocean, you know, on the beach and, and served an amazing table of chefs, um, including Nancy Silverton and Jonathan um, uh, Jeremiah Tower and obviously Gail Padma and, uh, and Tom Colicchio. 
Marcus Samuelson was at the table. So there's a lot of heavy hitters. I mean, a lot of amazing chefs in our industry that were there um, judging the, t- the table. Um, did awesome. not win that challenge, um, but I did not go home. So here I am in week two. Awesome. And what can we um... – what sort of things are in store in tonight's episode? I mean, the show's in, it airs in a couple hours from now, so I'm, our interview isn't going to air before it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know what? I got well. Here's the thing that I learned, and so this is me back again at Top Chef. Um, and, and with respect to everybody who's watching, you know, I, I try not to give away too much because actually, when I won my Quick Fire Challenge uh, last week, um, actually Bravo put out on Twitter that you know, hey, Brian got his first Quick Fire. And, and and I reposted it, and then the West Coast just uh, they annihilated me. <laughs> spoiler, like you know, I started getting a lot yeah. of. I mean, it was all all in fun, you know, but everybody was was upset. So you know, it's you know there it, it's obviously every challenge is new. Um, you know, this season that that I experienced, it's you know like nothing I've ever um, you know seen before. It's it's a lot tougher. I could tell you that right now because the caliber of chef, you know, that's in that kitchen all together. You know, these are all, I mean, literally all stars. I mean, these are these are all chefs who, you know, are, you know, doing some pretty amazing things out there in industry right now and, um, you know, have been through these challenges and understand it. So the, the playing field is super even, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's literally coming down to grains of salt. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, well, you know, take me back. Uh, you know, we'll have a lot of local listeners that you know love the Frederick roots. Um, you know, right. wh- where where'd you where exactly did you grow up? You know, what high school? I'm a Linganore guy myself, but what was <laughs> where did you come up? Yeah, no. So I mean, I grew up in Frederick, Maryland. Um, we I, I went to to Thomas Johnson High School. That's where I graduated. Um, and then after that, I ended up going to the Culinary Institute of America. I, I first started cooking in Frederick. I, I worked at the Francis Scott Key Holiday Inn. Um, that's where I got my first cook job. But then I uh, decided to go to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. Uh, lived in New York City for about seven years working for Charlie Palmer. Um, after that, came back to the D.C. area, opened Charlie Palmer Steak for him. And then in 2008, I opened Volt. Um, and right in downtown. So I always knew I think I was going to come home and open this restaurant. You know, I I actually did a project at the Culinary Institute of America that you know where you build a restaurant on paper, and it was all about a, a restaurant in old brownstone in downtown Frederick. And I opened it ten years after I graduated. Um, wow. And then you know I, I think it was 2008 when the restaurant opened, and then 2009 you know I left and and went to go compete on on Top Chef for the first time. Um, and obviously from there, I mean, you know, we've, we've been able to do some pretty, you know, incredible things. You know, I work a lot with, uh, No Kid Hungry, which is, um, you know, a big deal right now, obviously, because there's a lot of people that, you know, are, are out of school and there's huge support, um, of those programs, even though the county is doing a great job. But, you know, No Kid Hungry connects kids to meals, you know, and sort of bridges those gaps, especially during the summertime. Um, so I've been fortunate to work with them for years and raise money. Um, you know, that, that impacts, you know, people right here in Frederick, you know, in, in Frederick County, but also in all the surrounding DC metro area. That's, that's a, re- a really big, with, I mean, with, when you were a kid, did, were you always interested in food or, you know, were you peering over your parents' shoulders, you know, cooking or, you know, how do you actually get bit by the bug, as they say? Yeah, no, I, my, my entire family, I think everybody cooked, you know, my, my, my grandparents, my my mother for sure. I mean, she cooked mom food. <laughs> it was all you know, pretty amazing stuff. But we always had dinner at five thirty, no matter what. Like that was, you know, sports, you know, crazy schedules. 
you know, a, a family of three children. She always made sure that we had from scratch meals. I mean, yeah, we had our occasional pizza nights just like everybody else, but food was a big part of our, our growing up. Um, we lived in Frederick. We had a garden out back, um, you know, so, so I, I think that just the exposure to just, you know, food meanings a lot to us all, um, you know, got me interested, but it wasn't until I was in high school where really I just wanted to be a cook because I was a busboy at first and I didn't really like clearing plates, <laughs> but I'd rather, you know, I saw fire and knives and, you know, craziness <laughs> in the kitchen. And, and I asked the chef, I was like, look, if I take this vocational program in high school, you let me cook. And he, he said, yes. And that's how I got my shot. So I started at 15. I was a bus boy and waiter over at Liberty Road Seafood. So I feel you. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So it just, yeah. I don't know. I mean, growing up, it seemed like it was just, you know, for me, it was a lot cooler to be in the kitchen. And, and so that's the reason why I took the job. And, you know, from there, I, I fell in love with it, and I just turned it into a career. That's awesome. What, what has been the, you know, the biggest takeaway from, from running Vault all these years? You know, like, how how pleased are you with that? I mean, this town institution, and a lot of people, when they, you know, when, you know, when uh, Frederick Tourism or, or, you know, any of the local tourism, always cite you guys as sort of a centerpiece of, like, a downtown restaurant renaissance. You know, that, how, does that, yeah. how does that make it feel? You know, it makes it feel great. You know, I mean, when I set out 12 years ago to open up this restaurant, you know, I thought it you know, there was there was some you know fine dining in in Frederick, but the experience that we brought to Volt was like something we haven't seen in this region, and so um, you know it was very new, but it was also very you know supported by the by the community, and you know it's obviously led to the now 12 years of being a part of that. Um, you know, this is the first time I've ever had to close it for an extended period of time. So this is very unique ter territory for us, but we'll be back. I mean, you know, nobody needs to worry about that. It's just we had to obviously close, um, you know, due to, to current climate. Um, but, you know, I look forward to, to what the next, you know, 10 and 12 years is going to bring for that restaurant. I mean, it's all, I think it's always going to be a part of downtown. Um, you know, it's it's the first restaurant I, know I ever opened, and, you know, it's obviously my, my flagship and my baby. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we wanted to uh, continue to be a part of the community. For sure, and family me too. And then, of course, real quick for our DC listeners, uh, remind us about you got Voltaggio Brothers Steakhouse down at National yes. Harbor, right? Uh, take yeah, so the idea to expand down there. Yeah, so you know that was an exciting project to be a part of. So we, have, you know, we're, we're with MGM, um, we have Steakhouse, Voltaggio Brothers Steakhouse, right, right in National Harbor. Uh, we also recently, a year ago, opened Estuary, which is with uh, Hilton and Conrad in downtown DC. So those two projects are collaborations between both my brother and I. And um, you know, as we're starting to, you know, expand our careers and things are changing a little bit, Michael and I are, have been, you know, opening some things together, even though. There was a time where there was some rivalry. Now we've, we've, you know, sort of set that aside, and now we're working together on, on new projects, which has been, you know, extremely exciting. Um, and and so obviously, I mean, those two restaurants now are also temporarily closed, but they'll reopen soon. You know, we look forward to that. So, you know, hopefully we'll see people in, in late spring. Well, final question: Once all of this show is over. Um, you know, if you ever have a free day from all the busyness and craziness of running all these restaurants, what is your ideal meal? I don't want to say favorite food, but you know what I mean? Like if you sit down and if you had to choose one desert island, what would be your meal? Oh, wow. Um, 
I had to choose <laughs> one like meal. That's my favorite movie. I hate it. <laughs> no, I, I know. I mean, you know, for me, it's just, you know, really just a family gathering, family dinner. I mean, I love cooking outside, you know, just a barbecue in the spring is great. Um, but I'm also like, I'm a big fan of Japanese uh, cuisine. So I love sushi. So I love like a, you know, uh, um, you know, sort of a, a, an over the top experience. Um, there's, there's restaurants all over this region that provide, you know, something like that. I, I don't know. It, for me, it always changes, but I think just a good home cooked meal with my family is, um, is, is what I really enjoy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in restaurants, you know, on a daily basis. And so sometimes, you know, what I cook at home is very different than what I cook in restaurants. And so it's a little bit more comforting. For sure. Well, hopefully we get some of those outdoor cookouts and barbecues. Um, get back to that soon after all this stuff dies yeah. down. Stay safe. Yeah. Stay, you know, you know, indoors or whatever you got to do. But uh, we keep the good food coming. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. Yeah, we'll do. We'll stay safe yourself. And, and thank you very much for the time. And, uh, you know, hopefully you get a chance to watch the episode tonight. Should be a lot of fun. All right, everybody. Brian Baltazio, Frederick, Maryland, uh, competing on Top Chef All-Stars airing Thursdays on Bravo. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Take care. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.